Welcome to the Sufi Reverberations Podcast, where each week, God willing, you will be able to hear a poem, a story, a meditation, and a musical interlude that give expression to one Sufi's perspective concerning the mystical dimension of Islam. My name is Anab Whitehouse, and I will be your host. Although I am not a sheikh, nonetheless I did have the opportunity to spend 16 years in the company of a Sufi saint of the 20th century and by the grace of God, was able to gain a few insights into the nature of the Sufi mystical path through that association. So, without further delay, let's proceed to the essential contents of this episode. The following selection is entitled, Love Endures Hardship at the Hands of the Beloved. It is from the Mathnawi of Maulana Jalaluddin Muhammad Rumi, as translated in a bridge by E. H. Winfield. Through love, bitter things seem sweet. Through love, bits of copper are made gold. Through love, dregs taste like pure wine. Through love, pains are as healing bombs. Through love, thorns become roses, and through love, vinegar becomes sweet wine. Through love the stake becomes a throne, through love reverse of fortune seems good fortune. Through love a prison seems a rose bower, without love a grape full of ashes seems a garden. Through love burning fire is pleasing light, through love the devil becomes a hoary. Through love hard stones become soft as butter, without love soft wax becomes hard iron. Through love, grief is as joy. Through love, goals turn into angels. Through love, stings are as honey. Through love, lions are harmless as mice. Through love, sickness is health. Through love, wrath is as mercy. Through love, the dead rise to life. Through love, the king becomes a slave. Even when an evil befalls you, have due regard. Regard well him who does you this ill turn. The sight which regards the ebb and flow of good and ill opens a passage for you from misfortune to happiness. Thence you see the one state moves you into the other. One opposite state generating its opposite in exchange. So long as you experience not fears after joys, how can you look for pleasure after disgust? While ye fear the doom of the angel on the left hand, men hope for the bliss of the angel on the right. May you gain two wings. A fowl with only one wing is impotent to fly, O well-intentioned one. Now either permit me to hold my peace altogether, or give me leave to explain the whole matter. And if you mislike this and forbid that, who can tell what your desire is? You must have the soul of Abraham in order with light to see the mansions of paradise in the fire. Step by step he ascended above sun and moon, and so lagged not below as a ring that fastens a door. 
since the friend of God ascended above the heavens and said, I love not gods that set. So this world of the body is a breeder of misconceptions in all who have not fled from lust. Today's short story asks the following question. What would you do? A spiritually realized individual was about to pass on to the next world. Before this took place, however, there were certain duties which he needed to complete. One of these responsibilities involved appointing someone who would continue on with providing assistance to those individuals who were interested in pursuing the mystical path. There were quite a few outstanding candidates to consider, but there were four people in particular who were especially noteworthy due to the extraordinary beauty of their spiritual character. In order to make his selection, the man decided to ask each of the candidates a simple question. He felt certain that one of the four would answer the query in a manner which would single out that person as reflecting the choice which God wished to be made. Arrangements were made to interview the four individuals one at a time. The date, time, and place were fixed for each person. The first individual appeared at her appointed time. As soon as she arrived, she was asked the following question. If you were to be given the patch frock, which is symbolic of the mystical authority that is invested in the one who wears it, what would you do with such authority? The person reflected on the question and then replied, I would use that authority to try to engender in people an abiding love and commitment to the truth. This was a good answer. The one who had asked the question was pleased with the response. Later that day, the next candidate appeared at the indicated time. When asked how he would use the authority which accompanied the wearing of the patch frock, he remarked, I would seek to help people to establish justice so that they would be able to live in a secure, peaceful, and harmonious environment where every individual received what was due to him or her. Another excellent reply. Again, the man who had asked the questions felt happy with the quality of the answer. On the following morning, the third person was ready to be interviewed. Once more, the questioner was not disappointed. The individual said, I would use the spiritual authority to assist people to be kind towards and generous with one another. The man asking the questions could find no fault with such a perspective. Like the other answers, this response was simple, straightforward, and God willing would have a tremendously beneficial impact upon the community if implemented. The appointment for the final individual had been set for the afternoon. When the designated time arrived, so did the candidate, and the same question was asked yet again. The person replied, I would use the patch frock to cover the faults of people. The answer was elegant. It brought a smile to the lips of the questioner. Previously, when the dates and times for the interviews had been established, the four candidates were informed that the presentation of the patch frock would be made at a certain time on the morning following the last interview, and all four individuals were requested to be present. Morning arrived. The four candidates, plus the interviewer, 
assembled at the indicated time and place. The one who had asked each of the individuals the same question said, The answers which each of you gave are exemplary. All of your responses brought joy to my heart, and I have no doubt that each of you, irrespective of whether or not you received the patch frock, will dedicate your lives to putting into practice the answers you have voiced. However, as important and correct as the answers are which each of you have given to the question of what you would do if given responsibility for exercising the spiritual authority which is vested in the one who wears the patch frock, the answer that may be most necessary in view of the weaknesses and mistakes to which human beings are prone involves hiding their faults. This truly is a service to the people which places no demands on them and yet which is of great value to the community. Naturally, I do not mean to maintain that the truth should not be disclosed when justice demands this. However, sometimes silence is the best part of doing justice, and sometimes silence about an individual's faults is the most efficacious way of helping such a person to make spiritual progress. However, knowing when silence is appropriate and when it is not requires a considerable degree of spiritual insight. That sort of understanding that I am confident a selected candidate, God willing, possesses. Having said this, he took the patch frock, placed it over the shoulders of the one who had opted for hiding the faults of others in response to the teacher's question, and then hugged that individual. He said, You are the one whom God is entrusting with this responsibility. This week's musical interlude is titled, Nice Work.
from one tiny desk on a relatively small planet in a solar system that forms a speck in a galaxy that exists along with billions of other galaxies amidst spatial voids tens of millions of light years across on a material plane that constitutes but one of many realms in God's indefinitely large universe. You are listening to the Sufi Reverberations Podcast. The following edition of Meditative Essays is Ego. The ego carries a dual portfolio. On the one hand, it is the minister in charge of the policies and disbursements which make all misery and suffering possible. On the other hand, the ego also serves as head of the agency for internal security, whose primary responsibility is to make sure nothing interferes with its other ministerial duties and functions. A brief glance at the curriculum vitae of the ego shows the latter to be extraordinarily well qualified for both of the aforementioned portfolios. To begin with, the ego has a natural talent for deceit and treachery. This talent is nicely complemented by a capacity for manipulation, which would be the envy of any right-thinking Machiavellian. The ego has been schooled in the craft of creating illusions at a moment's notice. Moreover, the ego won first-class honors in the theory and application of the art of misdirection. Indeed, its capacity for feats of legerdemain makes magicians weep with envy. The ego is astonishingly ambitious. This ambition is well served by its gift for ruthlessness. Furthermore, the ego's tendency to never be content with what it has ensures a constant source of motivation to fuel its ambition. The ego is extremely demanding and impatient for results. It is meticulous in the way it attempts to ensure others will acquiesce to the bottom line of the ego. The ego can calculate angles with more precision than a mathematician. Furthermore, it can set an agenda with more skill than a professional caterer can set a table. Long hours of practice have been spent by the ego to hone its ability to evade responsibility. In addition, the ego is as good as they come in pointing fingers of blame at others. The ego has a tendency of purpose which puts the bite of a Gila monster to shame. What is more, the venom of the ego is far deadlier than the poison of a Gila monster. So single-minded is the ego in the pursuit of its goals and objectives, it will not permit such qualities as honor, integrity, and decency to stand in its way. It always seeks to get the job done regardless of the cost to others or itself. The ego is a master of disguise, a chameleon's chameleon, it can blend in with a scene in order to protect itself from probing eyes while waiting for an opportunity to strike. The natural inclination of the ego towards suspiciousness of others bodes well for its duties as security officer. The ego trusts no one and is in a constant state of vigilance lest its interests be threatened. The ego has no sense of loyalty except to itself. The foregoing speaks to the ego's ability to handle the aforementioned portfolios. 
However, the present profile would be incomplete if we were to leave out the comments of some of those with whom the ego has worked or interacted on previous occasions. For example, the ego has variously been described as thoughtless, insensitive, and mean-spirited. In addition, the ego is characterized as often being moody, quarrelsome, and extremely rebellious. Many who have had dealings with the ego found it to be stubborn and insincere. Others have found the ego to be dense, ignorant, and filled with dark, sinister ideas and feelings. The ego often has been found to waste a lot of time fantasizing. Moreover, there can be a strong streak of indolence in the ego, which sometimes feeds into the fantasies and is sometimes fed by those fantasies. Many people find working with the ego very difficult and frustrating because it is so self-absorbed. Its narcissistic tendencies just add to this problem. The ego doesn't take guidance and direction very well. Furthermore, it has a deep-seated hostility towards any kind of authority being exercised over it. There is a history of episodes of paranoia in the ego, especially when involved in pressure situations. Some clinicians also have noted definite patterns of delusional thinking. The ego is prone to temper tantrums, as well as explosions of anger, if it doesn't get its own way. Quite frequently, the ego is contemptuous of others. The tendency of the ego to display strong emotions of envy and jealousy often make the ego very unapproachable. When one adds to this the intense pride of the ego, the mixture is a very volatile one which is not conducive to friendship or to good work atmosphere. There has been a persistent pattern of abusive relationships in the past of the ego. This abuse expresses itself through verbal, mental, emotional, physical, and sexual violence. The ego is prone to extremely self-destructive behaviors. Bouts of depression, despair, and alienation intensify these self-destructive tendencies. A large variety of addictions pepper the pages of the ego's case history. In point of fact, the ego suffers from a congenital predisposition to addictions of one sort or another. The ego appears to have a sociopathic personality. In other words, there is a strong tendency for the ego to use and exploit people without any sense of remorse. The ideas of morality, ethics, and spirituality appear to be foreign to the ego. There is a strong current of hypocrisy running through the life of the ego. It will profess something on one occasion and then turn around and actually do the opposite on some other occasion. In addition, the ego is pretty poor at keeping promises unless the promise is a means to some further end it has. Needless to say, commitment to others is not high on the list of priorities which the ego has unless, once again, the commitment is tied to the satisfaction of a need or desire of the ego. The self-image concept of the ego is highly sensitive and vulnerable to critical comments from others. However, such sensitivity does not prevent the ego from feeling quite free to criticize and judge 
other individuals. The ego is incapable of loving others, although it often mistakes infatuation and sexual attraction for the real thing. Due to the emotional distance it maintains with respect to others, the relationships of the ego are usually dysfunctional in one way or another. The ego tends to be unforgiving. Moreover, the memory of the ego is very selective. Consequently, the ego finds holding a grudge quite easy to do. On the other hand, the ego can be quite unrepentant for what it does, yet expect others to forgive and forget. When one combines the poor impulse control of the ego with its inherent capacity for aggressiveness, one is not surprised to observe frequent outbursts of rage on the part of the ego. Furthermore, the tendency of the ego to exhibit poor judgment also combines with its lack of impulse control to generate a lot of misery for all concerned. According to the masters of the Sufi path, there is only one enemy more dangerous than the entanglements of the world and the machinations of satanic influences, and that enemy is our own ego. Everyone has an ego, so we should beware of the dangers which lurk within us. Of course, most of us will not exhibit all of the foregoing qualities on a continuous basis. Moreover, not all of us necessarily will display the same package of symptoms of the ego disease syndrome. Nevertheless, on any given occasion, each of us has the potential to exhibit any and all of the possibilities outlined in the foregoing. Daily, this disease ravages our world, our countries, our communities, our families, and ourselves. None of us will be safe until this terrible disease is brought under control. All other diseases combined do not even begin to compare with the death and destruction which the diseases of the ego inflict on humanity and all of creation. You have been listening to the Sufi Reverberations Podcast. I hope you will join me next week for a new episode of this program. May peace be your companion. Music